Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're listening to. And I have exciting news. You are not going to want to skip this. The Unpopular Opinion Podcast is on the verge of releasing episode number 500. We call that a milestone in the industry. To celebrate and to thank you for all of your support for all of these years, from now until the 500th episode drops, we are reopening the Unpops 500 Club. What is that? Well, it's the fun new name we've decided to apply to the mythological $5 early adopters Patreon level of the Unpops podcast Patreon. When we first launched that Patreon, we had a tier that got you every single podcast we release, including bonus episodes, completely ad-free for just $5. At the time, it was limited to 1,500 subscribers. And once we hit that level, we unpublished that tier. But since then, in large part due to COVID wreaking havoc on the world's finances, lots of spots have opened up again in that $5 tier. So we're making it available to the public once again. But there are still only a limited number of spots available, and those spots are only available until the 500th episode of Unpopular Opinion drops. We have a lot of exciting changes and new shows coming in the next few weeks and months. So no matter why you had to cancel before, this is a great time to come back and check out all the fun stuff the Unpops Network has to offer. Head to patreon.com slash unpops to sign up and get every podcast episode we release, including bonus episodes, for just $5 a month. Or, if you don't want to use Patreon, there are also a limited number of Unpops 500 spots open at unpopsnetwork.supercast.com. Thanks. We love you. Let's get to the show. People of Earth, your destroyed. Welcome to Conspiracy. The show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I am Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Olivia Haidar. That, I believe, makes us your hosts. Uh, pretty sure. Olivia, how's it going? It's going well. I'm enjoying the current vibe of the studio. It's not as uh, oppressively hot as, as it has been, so... Yeah, I'm digging that. Yeah. We can record without it being a workout. Exactly. <laughs> like we're in a sweatshop. Yeah, not that I couldn't stand to work out more, but... <laughs> I don't want to do it while I'm sitting. Absolutely not. That's for sure. We are talking about some shit this week. Hell yeah. I've been laid up with various illnesses and injuries lately. I yeah. don't know if people know. You've had a rough go. So I haven't had a ton of time to do research, but ooh, back on the mend, <laughs> baby. And we are doing a deep dive yeah. this week into a moment in history that is... Very, very important sure. in the big scheme of things, yeah. especially as it pertains to the government and our military, but also a moment in history that I don't think a lot of people are that familiar with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think beyond the basic joke of it being a very silly and frivolous military exercise, I don't think anybody really has any understanding of what was going on at all. Right. And Which I think, was on purpose. Yeah, and I I was going to say, I think that comes down to the fact that the military didn't allow the press to cover what they were doing. Yeah. We are talking about the 1983 United States invasion of Grenada. Yeah. Which, oh man, in the litany of Ronald Reagan atrocities, <laughs> this kind of kicks them off. Yeah. This is, this is like the first... Big one. It's I, early. I think. It'd be like the cold open of the Ronald Reagan atrocity movie. Yeah, because this is, you know, two years removed from someone, definitely not the CIA, mm -hmm. 
attempting to assassinate him. Sure. <laughs> and also about two years removed from the CIA definitely not going to him in his hospital bed and being like, how do you feel about invading Grenada, pal? <laughs> Let's talk about what just happened to you. Yeah. We talk about Ronald Reagan's like excursions in Latin America mm. all the time and in the Caribbean and just anywhere that communism even sort of looked like it was going to take hold. Right. And this, again, is one of the earliest examples of it. Yeah. There's so many nooks and crannies to this story, more than in, I think anybody quite realizes. Yeah. I didn't realize all of the ins and outs of it. It's a thing I think a lot of people don't even know to look into. Sure. Because it was so quick. Yeah. It was, in a lot of ways, kind of the test run for both of our wars in Iraq. Wars in Iraq, war, you know, invasions of Panama, yeah. like all of these things. So let's go over the basics yeah. for people who are unfamiliar. On October 25th, 1983, President Ronald Reagan ordered U.S. forces to invade the tiny island nation of Grenada. Yes. Which seems like kind of a cool place. It seems very chill, all things considered. Yeah, it's an English-speaking nation in the Caribbean, Yeah, which that part rules, sure. because that means I can travel there and <laughs> talk to people. Yeah. So we invade Grenada, mm -hmm. October 25th, 1983. Less than a week later, the country's government was overthrown and yeah. replaced by an interim government, you're not going to believe this, chosen by the United States. Wow. Wow. We never do that, which so it's surprising. Yeah, we normally just don't meddle in the affairs of other countries. Yeah. We had to have had a very good reason to do it Sure. in Grenada. I'm sure it wasn't just practice. Right. It wasn't just, yeah, we definitely didn't keystone cops our way to a victory in this thing. <laughs> yeah. The invasion was ostensibly triggered by tensions within the government of Grenada and the People's Revolutionary Government, yeah. specifically, that resulted in the house arrest and eventual execution of Prime Minister Maurice Bishop, which that part's wild, yeah. and we will oh, get yeah. to it. But, and people listening aren't going to believe this, in the years since, observers and commentators on all sides have kind of questioned the legitimacy of this invasion. Yeah, I can't imagine why. I know, we've got such a strong track record of telling the truth when yeah. it comes to war stuff. But in this case, there are those among us, mm -hmm. those who walk among us, <laughs> augmented humans who believe that the Reagan administration wasn't being completely on the up and up. Yeah. So to get to the bottom of what happened here, we have to go back in time a bit. We could go all the way back to British colonialism. I mean, yeah, there's there's a whole litany of atrocities that <laughs> led up to this atrocity. Yeah, it's shocking, I know. Yeah. That colonialism is involved in this, especially with it being the Caribbean. Yeah, no, there's yeah, exactly. Caribbean Car Caribbean colonialism? What? Yeah, come on. As coincidence would have it, the British Empire was at its peak in 1922, yeah. which is the same year a flamboyant character named Eric Gary <laughs> was born in Grenada, which was part of the British Empire. Yeah. He would go on to become one of the most important and revolutionary figures in the country. He formed the left of center Grenada United Labor Party, a.k.a. Gulp. In 1950, <laughs> this guy loves backronyms because there's also Jewel. Well, I guess Jewel's a different guy. Jewel but, isn't him, yeah. But still, there are a lot of acronyms involved in this story. Yes, yes. <laughs> Gary held a few different high level posts over the years, including chief minister in the Federation of the West Indies from 1957 to 1962. Mm -hmm. And for most of his early career, he was legitimately viewed as kind of a revolutionary figure yeah. and a positive force in the life of Grenadians. Yeah. Things start to take a turn in 1969. Right. That's when a man named Maurice Bishop returned to Grenada after having studied law in England. And he shortly thereafter becomes Gary's main political rival, forming a political organization called Jewel. There we go. 
joint endeavor for welfare, education, and liberation that eventually aligned with a couple of other groups to become the new Jewel movement. I just feel like there's no way they didn't come up with Jewel first and then (laughs) figure out what it stands for. Yeah, but it's a cool name. It is, like, but... Here's the thing, because there's lots of factions involved in this story, and it because of the names, they do kind of start to sound kind of like G.I. Joe battles. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah. How about the Mongoose Gang? That doesn't sound like G.I. Joe <laughs> stuff what, at all. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Eric Gary, in response to Maurice Bishop yeah. returning and becoming his primary rival... <laughs> He forms a group called the Mongoose Gang. Yeah, he leaves Gulp for the Mongoose Gang <laughs> yeah. to fight Jewel. He breaks ties Jewel. with Cobra Commander and joins forces <laughs> with Mongoose, historically the one animal that can kill a snake dead. Wow, wow, wow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why and- didn't G.I. Joe ever think of that? Did they ever have like a Mongoose on their team? <laughs> I don't know. They should have. <laughs> Just an actual mongoose <laughs> still ends up killing Cobra like Commander. A, yeah, give him like a bulletproof vest and a gun. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Little puppy. Except mongooses are horrifically invasive, which is why like the this team was called the Mongoose Gang. Yeah, exactly. They're, they were called the Mongoose Gang because their ranks were called primarily from the ranks of this jobs program yeah. that Eric Gary put in place back in the 50s and 60s that was intended to eradicate the mongoose population from <laughs> the tiny yeah. island nation of Grenada. Because they're a pest. Yeah. And then <laughs> the pest killers become the pests. Well... And label themselves the Mongoose Gang. It's pretty convenient to just have this whole army of people. It's a cool name. It's a good name, the Mongoose Gang. And they're they're battling their arch enemy, Jewel. Jewel, which not Jewel. not as cool in the face of the Mongoose Gang. No, but then they have the, then Jewel becomes the new Jewel. What was it? The new Jewel movement? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that whole jobs program. That was back in the days when people respected Eric Gary as a revolutionary figure. By the time the Mongoose Gang is established, people are already a little weary of him. Right. That becomes even more pronounced in 1973 when the Mongoose Gang beat Maurice Bishop like almost to death. Yeah. Just whipped the shit out of this guy. This is what happens when you give a bunch of guys mongoose bats and (laughs) set them loose on your political adversaries. Yeah, you can't call someone a mongoose and expect them to not act like a mongoose. (laughs) It's a very aggressive animal. Around this time, Eric Gary starts arguing that Grenada should be granted independence from Britain. Yeah. It's crazy to think how many countries got like deep into the disco era still being yeah. owned by, by Britain. By Britain. Or but, us. Yeah. We yeah, just make us. them states. Look, yeah, we yeah, we totally will make them states. Exactly. Just like Puerto Rico. Yeah. Guam. In Guam. Virgin yeah. Islands. Virgin Islands, yeah, and the Philippines and Yeah. Yeah. All of these places. They'll be states eventually. We're gonna have sixty seven states. Sixty nine states. Nice. <laughs> nice. Sixty nine. Uh it, that just isn't even funny anymore. Not once it's the number of United States. No, no. it's just been run into the ground by fucking Elon Musk, I think. Oh. It just he, he's kind of rendered it unfunny. I don't follow Elon Musk enough for him to render either. that unfunny <laughs> to me. So, independence happens in 1974 and Eric Gary becomes the first prime minister of Grenada. The people were happy, obviously. Sure. But also they were like that guy's probably just going to make himself dictator, right? Yeah. I, and it doesn't help that he's beating all of his opponents with mongoose bats. So. Yeah, he's he's sicking the mongoose gang on people. So the nation is like, all right, yeah, this is cool, but... Cautious. Yeah. And uh, they were kind of right. He does <laughs> just sort of start eliminating political opponents, yep. jailing them. There was a committee formed to prevent him from just becoming a dictator and at one point they launched a national strike and a protest and he sent the mongoose gang to (laughs) fuck them right up yeah 
And not to mention this whole time, the mongoose population is exploding because the gang is busy focused on the right. political rivals. <laughs> so now they got two problems. Yeah. They got counter-revolutionaries and mongoose. Mongoose. Mongai. I think it's mongoose, like plural. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Only the mongoose know. <laughs> so in this attack, Rupert Bishop, the father of Maurice Bishop, mm-hmm. was killed and Gary and his party win another election in 1976, but most observers deemed that election invalid. Okay. On account of how the Mongoose gang was sent out to intimidate voters at the polls, which Jules got to do something about them. <laughs> yeah. And you'll note at no point have we mentioned the United States being upset about any of this. <laughs> yeah, no, the United States is just watching. They've got their popcorn. Because Eric Gary was our guy. I don't think he's one of those world leaders that we installed by way of a coup. But once he took over, we were like, oh, this guy's all right. Yeah, or at least like he was not pushing the country communist enough that we would care. And he wasn't rocking the boat. Yeah. What you find with the people who take over after Gary is out of office, they're not just like making alliances the United States doesn't like. They're like actively calling out the United States. Yeah. And man, 1983 was not the time to poke the bear <laughs> when it comes to communism yeah. and the United States. In 1977, Gary started receiving counsel from Augusto Pinochet of Chile. <laughs> Oh, that guy. On how to deal with civil unrest. Yeah, the guy who had a Nazi torture camp yeah. in his country well into the 70s. And Augusto was like, yeah, have some uh, helicopters. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Free for use. Don't mind the blood. The police and military also received counterinsurgency training from the Pinochet regime. Oh. Cool. I bet the people were real chill to hear about this. Yeah. But this is actually where things start to turn in terms of Grenada's relations with the United States, because in response to Gary teaming up with Chile, Maurice Bishop starts kind of teaming up with Cuba Mm -hmm. and making alliances between Cuba and the New Jewel movement. And, oh, man, the United States did not like that. Yeah, that was a whoopsie. Like, I don't know what else, what his other options were, but that's going to cause issues. Yeah, especially at this point yeah. in history. <gasps> Meanwhile, within Grenada, people start worrying about Eric Gary's state of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly because he all of a sudden gets really interested in UFOs. Yeah, I love this part. <laughs> in October 1977, he addressed the General Assembly of the United Nations. Mm-hmm urging them to establish an agency for psychic research into unidentified flying objects and the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Now, look, you know, Granada is very close to the Bermuda Triangle, so I kind of get it. You kind of want to get that thing locked down, see what's going on. He also called for 1978 to be declared the year of the UFO. Fair enough. And 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 that was immediately granted, I yes. assume. Yeah. Yes. Why you know, why not? Yeah, what what's it gonna hurt? Yeah. Who cares? Making, no one's no one's gonna do anything about it. Yeah. <gasps> that same year, he started arresting members of the political opposition. And the final straw came when a rumor started circulating that the Mongoose gang was gonna start murdering people <gasps> while Gary was out of the country on yet another trip to the UN to talk about UFOs. I'm just realizing his first UN vi- uh, visit about UFOs was in October of 77. Do you think he just like really got into Star Wars? It's possible. Like Star Wars came out and it just blew his mind and it really made him start thinking about UFOs. Oh, we're talking about the movie, not the Reagan defense. No, not initiative. the Reagan defense. Sure. 1977. Yeah, Star not Wars. Too early for that. You're right. <laughs> It could be, yeah. And like Cherries of the Gods was earlier that decade, and I don't so know. Like, I don't want the Death Star coming down here and doing that to me, man. <laughs> it is funny that he just gets like super obsessed with it. I also don't know why he talks like Elvis. Well, no, he talks like, like the guy from Roswell, who was his name I'm blanking on. Oh, Jesse Marcel. Jesse Marcel. It's Jesse Marcel, man. I saw that UFO up there in the sky. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> so 
in response to this rumor that the Mongoose gang is going to start killing people while Gary is out of the country, Maurice Bishop just launches an armed overthrow sure. of the government yeah. while he's gone. Kind of makes sense. And it worked. And Eric Gary was told, hey, stay in the United States. Yeah. For a while. All in all, not the worst outcome for a coup. Yeah. You know? Didn't have to kill that guy. He's he's out of the country. He's alive. Yeah, it was a yeah. mostly bloodless yeah. coup. I'm sure some people died. I don't know. Yeah, a but, couple probably. You know, but like, it, what as far do? as it goes. A couple people die building the Olympics every year, <laughs> every four years. What can you do? That is true. So, yeah, he suspended the Constitution, and the New Jewel movement took over as the ruling party. And at first... His party and Maurice Bishop were both very popular with the people. Their movement came to be known as the Revo, which is short for revolution. They started jobs programs, food programs, education programs, all the shit the United States does not like countries in our half of the world doing for their people. Yeah, not fans. The education program especially was bothersome because it involves scholarships that were mostly usable for schools in Soviet bloc (laughs) countries. Yeah, that's tough. So this is a country in our own backyard seemingly making nice with Cuba and the Russians. And oh man, do we ever hate that shit? Yeah, that's that'll get you. That will get you every time. Also, they were working with Cuba to maintain and train their military and police forces. Yeah. Fortunately, Uh for the United States, there was a lot of tension within the NJM, the New Jewel Movement. Right. To the point that by September 1983, rumors started circulating that a high-ranking leader in the party, Bernard Cord, wanted to have Maurice Bishop killed. Classic. Which, that's that would be like if Mike Pence at some point came out and was like, I'm going to have Trump murdered. You yeah. know, as opposed to the other way around, which is how it actually <laughs> happened. Yeah. This news somehow becomes public. And there's a weird split where the public sides with Maurice Bishop. Right. But people within the party leadership are starting to side with Bernard Cord. Yeah. The people side with Maurice Bishop because they're like, well, I don't know why you want to kill this man. <laughs> Right. Seems like maybe this is a you problem. Seems a little harsh. (laughs) And meanwhile, the CIA is watching all of this. Yes. Yes. Just rubbing their hands together. (laughs) Oh, very nice. Good, Anakin. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And in October 1983, the New Jewel Movement leadership moves against Maurice Bishop. Yeah. And places him under house arrest. Things come to a head on October 19th Mm. when a group of Bishop supporters marched to where he was being held and just freed him from house arrest, which kind of commendable on the military's part because the military is who was guarding him. Yeah. And they, to their credit, did not just mow people down. That is good. They just, you know, submitted to the will of the people and let Maurice Bishop go. I mean, again, these are this is about as civil as these things can ever happen. Right. So far. So far. <laughs> again, the United States watching and waiting. Yeah. And we're just loving it. Yeah. Every minute of it. There had apparently been plans to have Bishop address a crowd of supporters after being freed, but before that could happen, an armored vehicle full of Bernard Cord supporters started speeding toward the audience. Yeah. And what happened next is still the subject of debate, but someone started shooting. Yeah. And the other side started shooting back. And in the chaos, Maurice Bishop and four other associates were rounded up, placed against a wall, and executed. Yeah. God damn. Well, not so civil anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is a bold step. Yeah. And the people who did it, like, it's people within his own party. That's the ruling party. Yeah. And now you got to go turn to the public and be like, hey, guess what we did? (laughs) Whoops. We (laughs) murdered our boss. Yeah. And now we're the boss. And now we're the boss. You're cool with that, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but because that's how it is. Right. But we're just letting you know. And for the record, people were not cool with oh, it. Oh, no. Whatsoever. Really? 
That is a shocking development that God. the people of Grenada did not like. It's tough to really even imagine. Yeah. Like, there's never been a parallel to that in American history. Like, we've had leaders get assassinated, but right. not like this. Right. <laughs> this is a whole different thing. Yeah, this would absolutely be like if Marjorie Taylor Greene killed Biden. Yeah, basically, something. yeah. Just like some random person in your party who sucks. Right. And comes up and fucking shanks you. And Oof. is like, I'm the president now. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, that'll never happen here. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, people are like hiding in their homes after this happens. Yeah. There's a curfew put in place. This new government tells people that they'll be shot on sight if they ignore that curfew. Yeah. But then all of that saber rattling toward the populace gets toned down a bit when there are rumors that the United States is going to invade. Yeah. Which, uh, bad times. Yeah. It's kind of like learning that an asteroid is coming to yeah. destroy your country. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Just dropping in to let you know about another podcast of mine that you might want to check out. It's called You Don't Even Like Sports, a sports podcast for people who don't like sports. Each season, me and my co-host, Jeff May, maybe you've heard of him, take a deep, deep dive into the eccentricities and off-field antics of some of history's most controversial athletes without boring you non-sports fans with lots of statistics and technical sports talk. There are full seasons up right now about the likes of Jose Canseco, Dennis Rodman, Tony Stewart, Diego Maradona, and a new season about golf legend John Daly in progress right now. Don't know who any of those people are? It doesn't matter. You will enjoy hearing their stories nonetheless. But hey, what if you do like sports? Well, to paraphrase Chicago White Sox legend Frank Thomas, you'll like it too. The show has more than 55 star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Search for You Don't Even Like Sports wherever you get your pods and find out why for yourself. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. So now this same government has to go right back to the people and be like, hey, all that stuff about shooting you on site, we were just mad. LOL. I was just trying to JK. make you mad. You know I don't mean that. Come on. You know I love you. Come on, babe. You know that. Also, everyone grab a gun. We need to defend our <laughs> homeland for the record. Yeah. Even worse, after they pull off this coup and murder Maurice Bishop, the government of Grenada is expecting, well... Cuba and Russia got our back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to support us. Cuba yeah. was repulsed by this. Well, yeah, because Castro was said that he thought he was friends with Maurice. Yeah. They, like, knew each other. So, of course. Yeah, he was friends with Maurice Bishop. And after this happened, he was like, fuck you. Yeah. What? Like, you murdered the leader of your country. I'm not, <laughs> not going to align with you yeah it's not like yeah you're not gonna you're not making yourself out to be super trustworthy killing and, your allies friend and then there was russia yeah who was just like who's this yeah like uh, what i'm sorry do you have oil i've never heard something, of is there something there that we need gr 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 grenade grenade gr grenadine i'm sorry you want to sell us some grenades is that what you said Wait, do you have cherry juice what's this <laughs> Yeah, Russia could not have given less of a fuck. Yeah. Because it was too risky for them to go intervene in, at this point, they're intervening in our affairs. Well, because it's like, think about it, man. If you're cord, the Cuban Missile Crisis was over Cuba, and that was in the 60s, and it ended up not coming to, like, a full, full-scale attack. You, you think Russia's going to come over for Granada? Yeah. Like, come on, exactly. man. <laughs> so this invasion starts to seem inevitable. But the question is, why? Like, why did the United States want to invade? Right. That's the question. Is it because the leaders of a political party killed the actual leader of the party? Because here's the thing. That's a bad look. Yeah. But harsh as it sounds, that's their business. 
Exactly. That is internal dealings. That this is nothing. No, so far, nothing has happened that would require U.S. military intervention. Right. And the obvious answer is what well, we saw an opportunity to replace a government yeah. that wasn't friendly to what we wanted. We don't like them. Yeah. And they're having trouble. So why not? <laughs> because again, the Maurice Bishop regime was aligning with Cuba and Russia. Yeah at least in our eyes, and their rhetoric toward the United States was really harsh. Yeah. Like they were out there on the world stage calling us monsters. Right. Well, but they were also saying that we could like kill goats with our mind and shit like (laughs) Eric Gary. Right. But another point I saw brought up that was interesting is as a predominantly English speaking nation. Yeah. Their leaders could go out to like the black communities in the United States and talk directly to them and be like, here is what else your government is getting up to. Cause motherfuckers knew by that point what the government was getting (laughs) up to in the United States. Again, these are not good ideas. No, no. (laughs) I mean, look, they're great ideas. I got nothing against it, but just from a personal safety viewpoint, right? it's like, the U S is not going to respect that. But so we can't just say that. Right. We can't just be like, well, we hate this government and we want to topple them. And this is our opportunity to do it. So what's the excuse? So we come up with this excuse that what we're doing is actually a rescue operation. Yeah. Because this is happening in the shadow of the Iran hostage crisis. Right. Which was a huge debacle. Huge debacle that got Reagan yeah. elected definitely with no CIA intervention <laughs> at all and there were hundreds of american medical students attending st george's university medical school which is an american institution that is in grenada yeah and so that ends up being a really clever excuse because something interesting i read if we were to just invade and do it on some war shit that requires Congress's approval. Right. Rescue operations do not. So (laughs) classic because we called it a rescue operation. That is how the U S military was able to do this without clearing it through Congress. And we'd already used police action, so we couldn't use that one again. Right. Right. And so with that operation, urgent fury commenced (laughs) on October 25th, 1983, which is an ironic title in that it was launched as a rescue operation. Yeah. We took a day and a half to get to those students. Every single one of them could have been shot in the face. Yeah. In well before, like, an hour. Like, there weren't that many. Like, they could have killed everyone if they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. So our response was not urgent or furious once we actually landed. <laughs> no, it was not. It was, yeah, I was going to say, what What the hell is urgent about any of this? <laughs> a rescue, baby. Uh, it's such a dumb title. Like, I hate it so much. And what's really weird about the timing of this, on October 23rd, 1983, is when the bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut happened where 241 American service members were killed. And so a bunch of the troops who were deployed to Grenada were like, we're going to the Middle East, right? We're going to Lebanon. We're obviously going to Lebanon to deal with that. And they were like, (laughs) no, No. Grenada. Yeah. And my grandparents are like, (sighs) (laughs) exactly. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Thank God. Oh, man. And in the case of one group that was sent to Grenada, they were so unprepared, they didn't have maps of Grenada at their face. (laughs) Yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is this real police academy bullshit. So, yeah, someone has to go out and buy tourist maps of Grenada from, like, a local gas station. I'm sure they bought them, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they overlaid military <laughs> grids and were like, here you go. And they were also gleaning most of their intelligence about the island nation of Grenada from articles in The Economist magazine. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, 
Yeah. This is. We persisted. Yeah. This is the United <laughs> States we're talking about. Like yeah. Michael Jordan on a bum knee is still <laughs> Michael Jordan. Right. I was about to say, yeah, we, we tripped and fell and <laughs> yeah. farted and toppled the government. <laughs> like. So, yeah, we end up just dropping the hammer. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you got to imagine, you know, people are coming at him with fucking Mai Tais yeah. <laughs> and pool floats. Throwing fucking garden instruments at Jesus. us as we land. Like, this is the everlasting joke reputation that I know as someone who grew up watching 80s media of, like, the guy who's, like, a veteran of the Grenada conflict and so, like, gets triggered by, you know, pool floats and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, within a few days, right, we toppled that government <laughs> and put our own interim government well, in place. Well, I mean, we haven't even gotten to how hard we fumbled doing this, and we still fucking kick like look i am not a proud american but i will say we'll fucking i mean we can kick an island's yes we'll fuck a grenada right up venezuela not so much no venezuela no vietnam no no afghanistan not really no grenada but grenada here we come motherfuckers you Uh, and panama both uh yeah and now we're next you're gonna like we're going to invade Turks and Caicos. Probably, yeah. Shit. Trinidad and Tobago. Uh. Why? Why? <laughs> so one of the shadiest aspects of this invasion is the media coverage. Yeah. I touched on it already a little bit because by that I mean there was no media coverage. And that's yeah. not a knock against the media. No. They wanted to cover it. It's just that the Reagan administration would not let them. Yeah. Totally locked down. And this is obviously pre-internet and such. And so getting firsthand reports that aren't from the military at this point are is extremely problematic, to say the least. And I have read quotes from military people involved in Grenada and Panama both. Yeah. And guess what they credit? With how quick they were able to get in and get shit done. No, mil- no, no, no media, yeah, no media. They didn't have to answer to reporters when they were brutalizing exactly the citizenry of Grenada. God, I can't even imagine. This is a quote from the New York Times in 1983. For the last two days, the Reagan administration has barred reporters from Grenada and imposed extraordinary restrictions on news coverage of the military invasion of that Caribbean island. This is a thing that ended up carrying on definitely into the first war in Iraq, which we did an episode. We used to have a podcast called The 90s Sucked, (laughs) which maybe that'll be back someday. And the first episode was about the first war in Iraq. Yeah. And that was one of the really unique aspects of that war compared to our other like large scale wars of that nature is the media access was restrictive as fuck. Yes. You had to pass any story you wanted to post. You had to run it by military people. Yeah. And that was different from like Vietnam Mm -hmm. where people could just report all willy nilly on whatever they wanted. They, I think weren't allowed to report like specific locations and shit, but that makes perfect sense. Sure. But otherwise you just kind of had to register as press and you could do whatever you wanted in Vietnam. Yeah. We gave up on that shit. Oh yeah. Because people really hated what they were seeing from Vietnam. (laughs) Right. You you did the nineties sucked. We could always do the, the 2000s suck or the 80s or the 80s yeah go backwards yeah i hate the i hate the 80s the world sucks yep it's the name ah. of that podcast <laughs> so basically reporters had to rely on like ham radio operators yeah. and radio havana <laughs> for reports on what was happening and the military's argument was well we can't guarantee any reporters safety yeah sure and it's like oh yeah no shit in a <laughs> yeah. war zone you can't uh it's uh it's not a war zone it's a rescue operations zone true true <laughs> forget that yeah no i mean that's obviously a ridiculous lie it's an absurd excuse uh it is funny to think that the american military would rather reporters get their news from radio havana right like it just feels like maybe that's a miscalculation 
Well, because then, and I'm not even saying this as a joke, then they can just be like, well, that's not credible. It's from right, radio, of course. Havana. Yeah, no, actually, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, we just didn't want people to be able to report on what we were doing there. At one point, a small group of reporters, I think from the Washington Post, yeah. did make it to Grenada. Yeah. And U.S. Special Forces immediately picked them up and yeah. took them to an aircraft carrier. Right. Threw an explosive volley- volleyball at their boat. Right, exactly. That's a Hunter Hunter anime reference for the nerds. This is another quote for the Washington Post nerds. I'm screaming about it because writing letters takes too long. I think a secret war, like secret government, is antithetical to an open society. It's absolutely outrageous. That's Howard Simons, managing editor of the Washington Post at the time. And he's right. Yeah, he's right. But also, what are you going to do? Howard Simons. I wonder if that's the guy that Tom Hanks played in The Post. I'm trying to remember what his name was. The time frame works. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, what are you going to do? The, like, this was over before, like, people right. were still arguing about whether they should be able to cover it. And exactly. It was over by then. So at that point, yeah, go in. Yep. Have a look. <laughs> yeah. So almost immediately after... The invasion started. Holes start forming in our official cover story, if you can believe it. I I mean, it's tough because it's such a believable excuse. Yeah, we have to save these American students. Yeah. Who are so clearly in danger. (laughs) Yeah, they're so imperiled. Look at it. Guys, tell them how imperiled you are. For starters, Charles Modica. The chancellor of St. George's University School of Medicine said in several different press and TV interviews that he felt the students were in no danger. Yeah. In fact, the curfew that was imposed by the new regime was actually lifted the Monday before the invasion and the airport was reopened. So any foreigners who wanted to leave could do so. Yeah. And I don't think I put it in the notes, but there's a quote from the Canadian prime minister at the time who's like, well, if that's true, you had no reason to invade this country. Yeah. Because that was your whole excuse. Yep. Is we got to rescue these students in this country's like, no, they they can fly out if you want. It's fine. They don't want to leave. So that's the other thing. Not only did... Grenada make it clear that they could leave if they wanted to. Yeah. Something like 50 or 60 of them wanted to leave. And the rest were like, no, it's fine. It seems fine. We'll be fine. Also, a group called the Parents Network, who were relatives of U.S. students in Grenada, sent a telegram to Reagan saying their kids were safe and urging him not to take, quote, precipitous or provocative action at this time. And Reagan wiped his ass with it because it didn't matter. Yeah. And that's, that's, this isn't what we're doing. (laughs) Like, that's the other thing. It's not just that we didn't need to go in and save these kids. Yeah. We put them in more danger by going in and doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're in so much more danger once the U.S. like military arrives, starts bombing each other. (laughs) Fucking, you know, it's just crazy. And also, if the objective is just to rescue these students, fucking parachute into where the students are. Sure. Form a marine circle around Black them. Black ops And be like, hey, fucking touch these kids yeah. if you think that's what you want to do. I mean, there's lots of other ways they could handle it if they actually wanted to rescue these kids. The problem was that wasn't actually why they wanted yeah. to go. <laughs> This is another quote from Jean Berman, whose son Daniel was in Grenada at the time. She was speaking to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Reagan is not getting his facts straight. Yesterday was peaceful in Grenada, and only 50 to 60 students wanted to leave. Now, Reagan is saying more than 300 students want to leave. Of course, today they would when their island is overrun by Marines. (laughs) Yep. And even then, 300 is still just a fraction of the students who were there. Yeah, and the th- miscalculation that she's making is that Reagan is not getting his facts wrong. Right. He just is ignoring them because they don't suit what his agenda is. Yeah. There was also a guy named Dr. Peter Bourne mm. who went on ABC Nightly News to tell the world that the medical school had been, quote, completely protected. The students and faculty were totally safe 
and there was no justification whatsoever for the invasion. Yeah. A couple days before the invasion commenced, the Grenadian government sent a cable to the U.S. Embassy in Barbados that said this, Grenada has not and is not threatening the use of force against any country, and we do not have any such aspirations. We reiterate that the lives, well-being, and property of every American and other foreign citizen residing in Grenada are fully protected and guaranteed by our government. There is absolutely no basis whatsoever for any country launching an invasion of our beloved country and homeland. Yeah. And we were like, fuck you. Yeah, they're like, please, bro, please, please, bro, please, bro, <laughs> please, please. And America's just like, no, unfortunately. We gotta do it. This, there's no stopping this. Yeah. They're like, we have kids. And we're like, we don't care. We like that, actually. Yeah, that's actually better. <laughs> we can get them young, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're listening to. Just dropping in to let you know about another podcast that I host that you should be all up on. It's called Going Back, a rewatch podcast about the television show Lost. Me and my co-host Olivia Hydar are taking a trip down memory lane by re-watching that classic and divisive ABC hit show in its entirety. And we're breaking down each episode for you, the listener, as we go along. It's available everywhere podcasts are at. So go to your favorite spot and search for it now. Going Back, a Lost rewatch podcast. And thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. So no worries that public opinion turned against our right. excuse for being in Grenada. We just made up some new excuses. Sure. First, we claimed that a coalition of Caribbean nations uh -huh. asked us to invade in response to the murder of yeah. Prime Minister Maurice Bishop. Our, our girlfriend asked us to invade. You haven't met her. Yeah. She lives in the Caribbean <laughs> nation. And there were a couple problems with that excuse. For starters, even if we were asked, it was still illegal. Yeah. The, the way we launched this invasion was still yeah. illegal. Yeah, it's like if your friend asks you to buy some heroin, like, yeah. it doesn't mean that it's not illegal. And never mind that part where now this new excuse would have required congressional yeah. approval. So Absolutely. you just circumvented that, but that's just the Reagan way. Also, the it was a last minute thing got blown up a little bit when people pointed out something called Ocean Venture 82. That was the name of a joint military exercise between the U.S. Marines and the Army Rangers. Coincidentally, Ooh. the exact same groups who invaded Grenada. It happened in 1981 in the exercise. So they couldn't even have called it Ocean Venture 81? Eh, I don't know. It's the government we're talking about. Jeez. They probably paid someone $100,000 to come up with the name. <laughs> In the exercise, a mock invasion of a Caribbean island codenamed Amber and belonging to an island chain called the Amberdeens was launched in response to a Marxist regime kidnapping U.S. nationals. Uh -huh. And that exercise involved saving those hostages and installing a new regime in the country, which is everything we did or at least claimed to be doing right. when the actual event happened. Worth noting, Amber is a region in, I believe, the southern part of Grenada. Oh. And Grenada is part of an island chain called the Grenadines. The Grenadines, yeah. So Amber and the Amberdeans is just a play yes. on Grenada and the Grenadines. <laughs> uh. And... Maurice Bishop actually gave a speech at one point before he died and was like, hey, they're going to invade us. <laughs> that's what that's about. They Whoops. are practicing to invade us. Yeah. And, and we were like, ah, shut up, Bernard, crazy man. Bernard Cord is too busy, like, jerking off over <laughs> yeah. the idea of killing him to, to listen. Another huge coincidence, and granted, this is according to a communist publication sure. from 1983, but then Vice President and former CIA Director George H.W. Bush just happened to be in Jamaica oh. visiting that country's right-wing leader, Edward Siaga, just eight days before the invasion and just two days 
before the death of Maurice Bishop. Wow. And does that mean the CIA was involved in the death of Maurice Bishop? Yeah, probably. No, what are you talking about? No one's going to be able to prove it. So, Jeez. And at the same time of the invasion, one prominent voice, Yale professor Wendell Bell, who specializes in Caribbean studies, suggested there were reports that CIA agents in Grenada, quote, were scheming to overthrow Bishop and egged on Bishop's detractors. No, (laughs) no, we haven't seen that with several other political assassinations in the past, like Malcolm X, for example, (laughs) where the FBI was deep in the nation of Islam. Yeah. They didn't shoot Malcolm X, but they put the idea in the head of whoever shot Malcolm (laughs) X. That's for damn sure. So Wendell Bell is an important figure here because he also wrote a pretty interesting paper about the Grenada invasion several years after the fact. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's not that long. It's about 16 pages. It's, It's not that unwieldy. And in it, he takes on a couple more of the Reagan administration's excuses for launching this invasion, because that's what happened. They claimed it was that the Reagan administration is for the children Mm -hmm. and that we were just going in to save the kids. Right. And then the The parent, 20 year old, 25 year old kids. Yeah. The adults basically. (laughs) And those adults, parents were like, we didn't need you to do that. That was actually, you kind of put them in more danger. And then Reagan was like, well, okay, different excuse. That is what he was like. Yeah. And then the excuse changes. Yeah. And one of their new excuses for why they had to invade was that if we didn't, Grenada was going to turn into a Soviet Cuban military bastion mm-hmm. right in our own backyard and in a speech he claimed that we got there just in time because a bunch of communists had started accumulating a bunch of weapons that's why they didn't have a map because they were in such a hurry right they had to get there (laughs) yeah the grenada beacon (laughs) lit up above the washington dc skies we had to get down there i just i just find it funny that they did this whole training exercise of going through exactly how we're going to have this invasion. And then they still fuck up every goddamn step of the way, all the way to victory. That <laughs> sounds like us in war. God, it really does. Our most powerful weapon is talking about how strong our military is. Because <laughs> yeah. once you get them on the field, oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, while it's true that they did find weapons, Wendell Bell points out that it likely had way more to do with this government that had just taken over trying to bolster their military in general. Yeah. I don't know that I find it that surprising that you found weapons in a country. Yeah, you'd find them here, too. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. More. And also, one of the things that Wendell Bell brings up is... Yes, we found a stockpile of weapons, but at the time before the murder of Maurice Bishop, Grenada was trying to build up like a citizen militia. Yeah. Which would be like their version of like the fucking Coast Guard. Sure. Or whatever, (laughs) Army Reserve, shit like that. Yeah. And what they were afraid of after Maurice Bishop was murdered was, oh, all those citizens that we just trained to use guns. Yeah. They're probably going to use those guns on us because they're mad now. So they disbanded that citizen militia. So it's just as possible that the stockpile of weapons we found were weapons Grenada took from their (laughs) own people. So actually there were fewer guns in the hands. Yeah. Of Grenadians at the time. I just feel like stockpile of weapons, no elaboration on what that means as far as what weapons were in the stockpile. And I'm sorry, like, I feel like we need, there needs to be like a tier system for like (laughs) the weapons that would make it appropriate for us to then invade a nation. Right. Because are we just talking about small arms here? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah, we're just talking like rifles and machine guns. conventional weapons and then like maybe some missiles. Yeah, you don't get to invade over that. And also, don't forget, after Bishop was killed, Cuba like severed ties with Grenada. Exactly. And Russia was like, we don't fucking care. Yeah. So all of that was our, like that argument was undone before the invasion even started. Yeah. I think it's telling how vital Grenada was to 
the Russian Cuban system that they were totally fine with the U.S. just bulldozing <laughs> yeah. it over and installing whatever they wanted right in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the airport at Point Salinas. Yes. Well before the invasion, the Reagan administration was showing the American public like satellite images yeah. of this new military airport. This is this is the US government version of foreplay. A little bit. Yeah. Where we we got to get you lubed up by showing <laughs> you some potential images of military things. And what's funny about this, they presented it as a thing that was being constructed by the Soviets and the Cubans in Grenada so they would have a new military airport there. Mm -hmm. And they present these images to the people as if to say, oh, look what we found on our newfangled spy equipment. Meanwhile, this was just a huge public project yeah. in Grenada. They had been... There was an American dredging company sure. from Miami working on the project. People in Grenada were using the site as like a public park. Yeah. While it was under construction, those American students used it as a jogging track. Great. So this wasn't a secret military thing. No. It's just our government controls the media here. So they were able to present it that way. Right. And no one questioned it. And it wasn't for military purposes. It was for tourism. Yeah, it was a big old airport. Like, it really, it's just like there's no weapons, there's no missiles. That's the other thing. Someone pointed out that if this was a military airport, they would have, like, fortified fuel tanks. Guns. Anti-aircraft defenses. A fence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would look like some military shit. But it's really, it's so silly. But it's so depressing because a bunch of people were... Because it worked. Yeah, it worked, and the American government installed this, you know, dictatorship, and we probably killed a bunch of people who didn't need to die, and it's just awful. Yeah. But it's silly. Yeah, they were openly courting, like, Western European countries at the time to make Grenada a tourist destination. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a pretty robust tourist industry already. Yeah. They just didn't have the right airport to really seize on it. Right. So that's all this was. And you know that's all it was because there was a Canadian firm that was building a $16 million hotel in the area, which you don't do near a military. No, generally not. Base. They frown on that usually. There's the British firm that pointed out that it didn't have any of the things a military airport would have. Meanwhile, Reagan, la, 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 yeah. not listening to you. Also, funded by Cuba is a little misleading because yeah. what happened is Grenada planned this airport and first they reached out to us uh -huh. and we were like, no, we're not giving yeah. you, do you have oil? Have like, you why? heard about what we're planning to do to you? Yeah, no. of course we're not going to give you money. So then they reached out to other countries and 15 other countries donated money to help with this project. And yeah. yes, Cuba was one of them, but so was Canada. Right. And so was Mexico. Yeah, they so had this a whole GoFundMe, basically. <laughs> like, Yeah, so this wasn't like a communist-funded thing. Right. And once we rolled into town and put an interim government in place, that government's first major initiative was to finish the airport. <laughs> and their whole entire argument was was that it was essential to boosting tourism in wow. the country. And people at home, can you guess who paid for it? I'm going to guess that it was Bermuda. Close. The Ronald Reagan administration. Oh, and by extension, the United States taxpayers. <laughs> okay. In April 1984, the Reagan administration announced $40 million in aid to Grenada, with $19 million of that aid earmarked for completing... The airport at Point Saline. We are such a fucking bottom shelf cut rate <laughs> country. We can't fucking give our own people fucking health care, but we can go build some other places. Goddamn tourist trap airport. Come on. You're damn right we can. Uh, USA. Bum ass country. So as smooth as our invasion of Grenada seemed to go and as impressed by it as yeah. you are. Yeah, you guys, like from the outside, you're like, oh, it was so fast. I'm sure everything went smoothly. It was actually a bit of a debacle. 
we already mentioned that at least one squadron was packing gas station maps and copies of The Economist. Which will never get old. To guide their way. Also, along with that, one of the first actions we took was to land Navy SEALs yep. who were supposed to go ashore. <laughs> these are these are our elite amphibious troops. And four of them drown immediately. <laughs> Invading which, the resort country. Right. In another incident, one American unit called for an airstrike on another American <laughs> unit. Again, this is just fucking police academy shit. Two American helicopters collided in the air. Cool. Killing several army rangers. Well, you know. A U.S. Cobra helicopter mistook a mental hospital for a military base and destroyed it. Classic. Mistook it. Killing anywhere from 18 to 30 inmates inside. I'm sure it wasn't because it was like near the airport or something. Right. Exactly. Oh, wait. We're going to need a parking lot here. Get rid of these mentally ill people. This all led directly to new legislation that brought about huge and historic changes within the Department of Defense. Yeah. Here's a quote. The sense that the Defense Department had structural problems was reinforced by Operation Urgent Fury when the United States invaded the tiny Caribbean nation of Grenada. The Marine Corps and the Army effectively divided the island and conducted parallel operations in isolation. Commanders couldn't communicate because radios were not interoperable. Stories circulated about military officers using commercial telephones to contact each other and report back. This reminds me of 9-11. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that is absolutely what you heard after 9-11 yep. was we maybe could have stopped this if the CIA and the FBI just, you know, talked. It's what led to the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Yay! Uh, of course. All good things. It's just wild. The, the fact that the radios weren't interoperable That's is nuts. nuts. The idea that, for people who don't understand, that means that they're both using radios but and yet they could not speak to each other with them, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, that is wild. And this led to something called the Goldwater Nichols Act, which streamlined the chain of command within the DOD, allowed for better sharing of information and plans between the various branches of the military. And I don't know, probably allowed the government to spy on our television yeah, viewing yeah, some... habits or some shit also. Yeah. Who knows? And we would later take the things we learned from the invasion of Grenada and the changes implemented by the Goldwater-Nichols Act yeah. and put it all in action when we invaded Panama in 1989. Another yeah. act of war that had almost zero media attention. Right. Maybe we'll talk about that next. This was Yeah, that, that was after we did our huge training operation where we invaded the fake country called uh, Blanima. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So that's Operation Urgent Fury. Yeah. The U.S. invasion of Grenada. Shady shit. Shady, stupid shit. It's just, it's so, every decision was so dumb. It's kind of breathtaking. And it just so typifies the Reagan administration yeah. in the 80s. Like, this is just what we were doing. And the trajectory of, like, U.S. military culture since then yeah. has just been... Straight down. If you want to read more about this, hit the show notes. You are going to go down a rabbit hole because <laughs> I read some sources yeah. for this. There's, I have to imagine that there's just the rabbit hole on this is infinite. It is. It's it's, cause it's crazy. There's so much. So I think that's our episode. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I didn't just take a long bathroom break <laughs> right before the last minute and a half of the podcast. Olivia. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this deep dive into Grenada. This is fun. Absolutely. This is fun. We'll, we'll do more stuff like this in the future. I'm back in a researching yeah. state of Woo. mind. So that's yeah. fun. And yeah, I think we will cover Panama soon. I think that's a good idea. I was going to do that for an episode of The 90s Sucked, and it just never panned out. Oh. <laughs> oh more like it never panama out. Oh. All right. Panama. Panama. All right, let's get it together. Yeah. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Going back, our Lost Rewatch podcast yeah. episodes are public now. By the time this goes up, I think the first three are Ooh. up. If not, definitely the first two. Also, if you subscribe 
to bonus episodes of Conspiracy the Show or subscribe on the Patreon yes. or subscribe on Supercast or you can go to Acast where the Lost show is hosted and you can subscribe mm. there. You get bonus episodes where we're covering, God damn it, one of the best shows on TV right now <laughs> that nobody is watching. It's called From. Yeah, from. It's a lot like Lost. Yeah. It's very Lost-esque. It's a, it's a very Losty show. Uh, I'm a big fan. I really need to start watching season two. I know. I almost the other day just watched the rest of season one and did notes. Yeah. So I could get it over <laughs> with and start watching season two, which I might do that this weekend. So check all that out. Olivia, what do you have to plug? That. That. That show. Uh, other than that, I mean, you know, I guess Twitter, hi there, hi there, who cares? Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, I guess you can follow me at Adam Todd Brown on Instagram. I don't yeah. really use Twitter anymore. I gave up. It's bad. It's bad. And uh, I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.